0: Life of St. Vincent de Paul, Chapter 9. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Life of St. Vincent de Paul by Francis Alice Forbes. Chapter 9. The Jansenists while vincent de paul was striving by charity and patience to renew all things in christ the jansenists were busy spreading their dangerous doctrines when the abbe de saint cyran the apostle of jansenism in france first came to paris vincent like many other holy men was taken in by the apparent piety and austerity of his life it was only when he knew him better and when saint cyran began to impart to him some of his ideas on grace and the authority of the Church, that Vincent realized on what dangerous ground he was standing. The Jansenists were so called from their founder, Cornelius Jansen, Bishop of Utrecht, who died, however, before his heresy had been condemned. He said to me one day, wrote the saint long afterwards to one of his mission priests, that it was God's intention to destroy the Church as it is now, and that all who labor to uphold it are working against his will, And when I told him that these were the statements made by heretics such as Calvin, he replied that Calvin had not been altogether in the wrong, but that he had not known how to make a good defense. After such a statement as that, there could be no longer question of friendship between Vincent and St. Cyren, although the latter, anxious not to break with a man who was held in such universal esteem as Vincent de Paul, tried to persuade him that he, St. Cyren, was really in the right justifying himself in the elusive language which was more characteristic of the Jansenists than the frank declaration he had just made. Vincent, however, was too honest and straightforward, too loyal a son of the Church, to be deceived. Realizing fully the danger of such opinions, he soon became one of the most vigorous opponents of the Jansenists, who indeed soon had cause to look upon Vincent as one of the most powerful of their enemies. But although he hated the heresy with all the strength of his upright soul, Vincent's charitable heart went out in pity to those who were infected with its taint, and it was with compassion rather than indignation that he would speak of St. Cyren and his adherents. Not until they had been definitely condemned by the Church did he cease his efforts to win them from their errors, efforts which were received, for the most part, in a spirit of vindictive bitterness. The teachings of the Jansenists, like that of most other heretics, had begun by being fairly plausible, The necessity of reform among the clergy had come home to them forcibly, as it had to Vincent himself. The Jansenists' lives were austere and mortified. The book which contained their heretical doctrines, the Augustinus of Jansinius, was read by only a few, and these mostly scholars. That the sacraments should be treated with the greatest respect, and approached only by those who were fit to approach them, seemed at first sight a very reverent and very proper maxim. Many people of holy lives took up this teaching enthusiastically, among them some of Vincent's own mission priests. When Antoine Arnold, the youngest of the famous family which did so much to further Jansenism, published his book Frequent Communion, which might more truly have been called Infrequent Communion, it was received with delight and eagerly read that Vincent clearly saw the danger shown by one of his letters to a member of the Jansenist company who had written protesting against the attitude that St. Lazare was taking in the matter. Your last letter says that we have done wrong in going against public opinion concerning the book Frequent Communion and the teaching of Jansenius. It is true that there are only too many who misuse this divine sacrament. I myself am the most guilty, and I beg you to pray that God may pardon me. You say also that as Jansenius read all the works of St. Augustine ten times, and his treatises on grace thirty times, the mission priests cannot safely question his opinions. To which I reply that those who wish to establish new doctrines are always learned, and always study deeply the authors of which they make use, but that does not prevent them from falling into error, and we shall have no excuse for sharing in their opinions in defiance of the censure of their doctrine. THE LETTER WAS ANSWERED BY A SECOND PROTEST IN FAVOR OF ARNOLD'S BOOK, WHICH WAS MEANT BY VINCENT WITH EQUAL ENERGY. IT MAY BE, AS YOU SAY, HE WRITES, THAT CERTAIN PEOPLE IN FRANCE AND ITALY HAVE DRAWN BENEFIT FROM THE BOOK, BUT FOR A HUNDRED TO WHOM IT HAS BEEN USEFUL IN TEACHING MORE REVERENCE IN APPROACHING THE SACRAMENT, TEN THOUSAND HAVE BEEN DRIVEN AWAY. FOR MY PART I TELL YOU THAT IF I PAID THE SAME ATTENTION TO M. ARNOLD'S BOOK AS YOU DO, I SHOULD GIVE UP BOTH MASS AND COMMUNION FROM A SENSE OF HUMILITY and I should be in terror of the sacrament, regarding it, in the spirit of the book, as a snare of Satan, and as poison to the souls of those who receive it under the usual conditions approved by the Church. Moreover, if we confine ourselves only to what he says of the perfect disposition, without which one should not go to communion, is there anyone on earth who has such a high idea of his own virtue as to think himself worthy? Such an opinion seems to be held by M. Arnold alone, who having made the necessary conditions so difficult that saint paul himself might have feared to approach does not hesitate to tell us repeatedly that he says mass daily it is evident that so cold and narrow a teaching could not but be repugnant to a man of vincent's breadth and charity the monstrous heresy held by the jansenists that christ did not die for all men but for the favored few alone filled him with a burning indignation No one could have deplored more than he the unworthy use of the sacraments, but he held firmly to the truth that they had been instituted by a loving Saviour as man's greatest strength and as a protection against temptation and sin. And he was not going to believe that he who had been called the friend of sinners and had eaten and drunk in their company would exact from men as a condition of approaching him a perfection that they could never hope to attain without him. End of chapter 9